0: But I remember looking at their intake forms. These were like Harvard-educated people, Emory-educated wow. people, like people who've done their PhDs, people who've gotten Harvard law degrees. And you know what they had on their intake forms? Mm. I feel stupid. I don't feel that wow. smart. And I, and my mind was that actually makes was me like, want to cry a little. <laughs> it, yeah, it made me want to cry, and it also like encourage me to realize, okay, maybe I do have something to teach these people.
1: Three, two, one, yeah! Welcome to the Performance Rx Podcast, where the conversations are about health, nutrition, and mindset for anyone who considers themselves an athlete. From the most elite competitors, to those who are simply seeking to improve their athletic performance, we hope the knowledge shared on this show will empower you to reach your physical potential. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now for today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's show. I'm your host, Bridget Maroney. And today, my guest is my good friend and very fun friend, Linelli's Vassalo. Linelli's is a speaker, writer, and mindfulness teacher focused on mindset development to elevate your impact. Her work is focused on creating and sustaining consistent habits, taming your inner critic, and melting creative blocks. She's a certified teacher of mindfulness-based stress reduction through the Center of Mindfulness at the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine. She served as a mind, body, and mindfulness programs coordinator at Georgia State University for about four and a half years, where her main focus was improving mental health and wellness throughout the campus. Today her purpose has evolved, and she's developing systems for entrepreneurs and creatives to get out of their own way, to free themselves from all the ways in which they're holding themselves back from joy, peace, self-expression, and vitality. Hey, just a little heads up here, this podcast was actually originally an Instagram Live. So I've gone ahead and edited it down a quite a bit. Um, but if you hear anything kind of strange, if we're talking to someone or... Uh, making comments to other people that aren't involved in the conversation. We're not talking to the voices in our head. We're just responding uh, to the people who were in the chat and engaging with the IG live. Either way, this was a really awesome conversation. And so it was just too good to let it be on Instagram by itself. And so I made it into a podcast. I hope you enjoy. So what last week was an impromptu IG live talking about inner critic and then today is a continuation not so impromptu just you know continuation of that discussion and and you were talking about uh was it mindfulness self-compassion
0: oh yeah mindful self-compassion yes I don't know if that was that the podcast you're on no I was on a uh podcast with um this uh the coolest two dudes on the planet—they started this um, company called Calm Scholar, and they—they're just so inspiring. Like they're—they're they're like 28, and they are like devoting their lives to making this website that connects meditation teachers um, to students as like coaches. And um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and they just started their podcast this week, and oh my God, it was so good. Like, I felt like we could keep talking for hours and hours. Like, they just have...
1: Apparently you did. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> ah, so cute. They are so cute. I just, I feel like, you know, it's a weird thing. I don't know. I feel we're just going to just talk. I don't know. Tell me to shut up if I'm getting off topic. No, <laughs>
2: like, no.
0: Um, I just feel like there's such a beautiful energy with connecting with younger people because I feel like so much of like my professional life has always been looking to those who are elder for guidance or like, Mm. you know, always, always kind of learning from either people that are older or people that are my age, but there's, there's like a kind of a cool energy to, like I mm-hmm. I think it escapes me that you know like people well into their late twenties are significantly younger than me. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Uh, and then, don't, and don't then even there's so much to
1: learn that. from
0: them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, um, you know, well, I mean they have like that that fresh perspective, right? wisdom doesn't always have to come from experience although I guess that maybe is the definition of wisdom but we'll say (laughs) we'll say we'll say insight perhaps right yeah (laughs) so awesome well yeah let's um I mean whatever you want to to chat about you know if you want to continue I guess the, the two kind of blend together as far as the inner critic and then I guess I'm assuming the antidote to that is is mindful self compassion because obviously you know any source the the opposite of criticism is that compassion
0: yeah that compassionate yeah. side oh my god there's so much to say well obviously I didn't get to read all the all that I wanted to read oh yeah <laughs> since that podcast went for two hours but <laughs> um, I I mean I've done the teacher training so I you know, ideally <clears throat> I should know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like it's so fascinating like that's why I really want to like really just soak in the book. Because even though I've done the teacher training and and have taken the course itself twice mm. Um, mm. there's something about reading that really solidifies things for me mm-hmm. so I actually feel like one of the reasons I got so into meditation is because there's so much to read about it
2: Mm. <laughs> like there's so yeah. much
0: fascinating material from like the spiritual side and from the scientific side, like it's just yeah. stimulating on both sides. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this, and that's how this book is too. I mean, it derives from like the idea of compassion. Um, this very, not that it's only Buddhist, but it, it tends to be a centering theme of Buddhism. Um, really? The, yeah. Compassion. I didn't know after, that. I mean, yeah, I guess I, I, I'm not, I know a little bit about
1: Buddhism, but I'm not, you know, as, you know, I'm not a, a very, you know, in-depth scholar there, but that's, that's a central theme in Buddhism.
0: Yeah. And, and maybe in some sex, more sex, S-E-C-T-S people, <laughs> sex. Chill, like,
1: <laughs> Buddhist sex,
0: <laughs> um, I have a side story about Buddhist sex. I'll take that in a okay. second. But like, I think some sex are more more <laughs> compassion focused than others. Like, I think mm. Tibetan, Tibetan Buddhist Buddhism oh, tends yeah. to be much more compassion focused than, for example, maybe Zen. I mean, I'm, the, I'm not sense. a scholar either, but just from my limited experience with both, it seems yeah. like that one is much more like compassion based.
1: Um, yeah, that so, makes sense. Kind of, yeah. My very, very, you know, just much limitation, limited understanding of it, like the little glimpse that I have gotten of Buddhism, and like, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm going off of what I watched in the movie Seven Years in Tibet. <laughs> 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 that, that's, that's educational, right? Yes, thanks. <laughs> that counts as a study, spiritual study. Yes. Uh, anyway. The spiritual study
0: of Brad Pitt. I knew you That's were going to say that. The... <laughs> In his prime. Uh... <laughs> um, so... um, what were we saying? Oh, okay, so compassion. So yeah, this self-compassion is, is, is all about compassion. So we, we tend to have so much compassion for other people like mm-hmm. our friends when mm-hmm. they're struggling, our family members when they're struggling, when they make mm-hmm. a mistake, when they have a failure, when mm-hmm. when things are not going well. Mm-hmm. We tend to have so much compassion for our loved ones, our friends. When we're going through the same thing, where, where is that compassionate person? Like we we don't tend to yeah. turn that around on ourselves. Yeah. And to be that comforting, supportive, soothing encouraging friend and presence to ourselves mm-hmm. when we've made a mistake, when we're suffering, mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. have, are going through something difficult. Um, so that's a really central premise of mindful self-compassion is that you are, and it doesn't necessarily have to be mindful self-compassion, like that's a specific program, but like self-compassion yeah. in general is, is being able to, Turn that compassion that you innately have for other people toward yourself, mm-hmm. and to be able to treat yourself the way that you would treat a dear friend,
2: mm-hmm.
0: in especially in moments of suffering. No. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's huge, and it's huge because so the inner critic is like, I, I think, and I think so many people don't even realize how loud it is because I think. Mm. In many ways, meditation helps you to realize how Mm. bullying and bitchy Mm. this voice can really be. (laughs) um, So I heard it said once because so there's a self-compassion and there there's mindful self-compassion and there's mindfulness-based stress reduction. There are two really Mm -hmm. big programs and like the secular mindfulness training in like Hmm. hospitals and organizations and things. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: um, I I remember because I I remember when I first got interested in in self-compassion, I I was and that that program is much more about developing self-compassion. It's less about meditating, less about being mindful and more about being kind to yourself. And so I remember wondering, like, you know, between the MBSR program and the Mindful Self-Compassion MSC program, like, which, like, who, I remember asking some, like, a leader in those programs, like, who had experience in leadership in both of them, like, what would you recommend for, you know, certain people and and what would you recommend first? Would you recommend, Mm -hmm. like, deep? going deep into meditation first and mindfulness, or would you recommend going more into self-compassion first?
2: Mm.
0: And they said, there are some people whose inner critic is so loud that it makes it impossible for them to meditate. Mm. And for, so for those people, it's probably best to start with self-compassion and then mm-hmm. learn mindfulness and meditation. And I I remember thinking that that was such a huge insight Um, because I, I mean, I came into self-compassion way after having been heavily into mindfulness, mindfulness and meditation, but self-compassion actually naturally develops as a byproduct of practicing mindfulness and meditation, like without having to consciously bring it about. Um. But and that was something I noticed. Like I remember being so amazed at how suddenly I was so much nicer to myself, even though totally. I wasn't anything new in my life besides mm-hmm. meditating. I remember yeah. thinking, "Wow!" Because when you think about it, you know, like when your mind wanders mm-hmm. and it gets distracted, and you bring it back, the instruction is to bring your attention back gently, kindly. Right.
1: Yeah. All right. But not that, to like sit that, there and I'm like,
0: "What are you doing?" <laughs> Right. And that's, yeah, that's where so many people like they come out of a meditation and they're like, oh, my mind was wandering the whole time. Was, that meditation sucked. Like it was a total failure <laughs> of a meditation. And yeah. it's like, wow, that sounds like your inner critic is really loud. Yeah, um, You know what I mean? Because instead of bringing their attention back, they were kind of berating themselves the whole time about where their mind was. Yeah, so anyway, but okay, so for most people, the beginning stages of mindfulness and meditation is very much learning to Mm -hmm. redirect your attention kindly, gently, Mm -hmm. learning to have a firm redirection Mm -hmm. but a kind one. So, like Mm -hmm. the way you would train a puppy, you want to be firm Mm -hmm. but kind, right? (laughs) this, you're disciplining them, but in a, in a gentle and kind way. Mm. Um, so that's so anyway, that, that constantly bringing your attention back in a kind way really helps you to develop a compassionate, um, kind attitude towards yourself. Because when your mind mm-hmm. wanders, you're like, oh, just come back. Saying like if you mis- make a mistake in life, oh, OK, well, just get back on track. Or you yeah. fell off your diet plan, or your exercise plan. Oh, okay. Well, just come on back. No big deal. Exactly. Moving on. Like it's okay, you know. And yeah. so I think so. Self compassion happens naturally, just as mm. a byproduct of a meditation practice. But yeah. for people whose self critic is like monstrous, and they just mm-hmm. can't sit in a meditation because it's it it turns into like. Just a massively uncomfortable experience where their inner critic is just like throwing trash the whole time. That's when it's better to focus on self compassion first,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: and developing a kinder attitude, an understanding attitude toward yourself, a compassionate um, engagement with your with yourself and your mind, your body, your your everything. Yeah. Um, so. I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> I don't either, but I mean, that was, I, think,
1: I don't think there was really a question. I think it was just kind of talking about mindfulness or mindful self-compassion versus mind. And we kind of, and you started to explain kind of the, the two are, are almost, they're, they're different. I, you know, there's the, the, the mindfulness-based stress reduction course. And then there's also the mindfulness-based um, self-compassion. Um, mm-hmm. But so so before I ask the next, you know, before I, I ask, I just a couple of things. I mean, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I, you know, I think, and, and I see what you're saying, like the two are almost, unless you have what I, for what I'm understanding, what you're trying to say is like, unless you have a very harsh, loud inner critic, if you're, if you start off with mindfulness, it's, you're going to inherently become more self-compassionate because of how mindfulness and meditation operate, right? That, like you said, the the gentle redirecting, but also something that came up for me that I thought of is what I've learned is it, it, you know, through meditation is, is letting go of the expectation, right? There's no right or wrong way, um, to do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. at least the, the, the guided meditations that I've worked, uh, through, um, and, and also like when you start to do, cause it, you know, for, I know, you know, but for, for anyone listening or watching, there's different types of meditations, right? There's body scans, there's uh, loving kindness. There's like, and then you kind of tap into like, certain, there's, I forget what it's called and you can probably say it, but it's like one where you notice your own thoughts, but then there's also one where you notice your emotions. And the way I learned it is you just notice the emotions. You're not Saying like, "Oh, this is a negative emotion. I shouldn't be feeling it," or "This is a good emotion. I want." To... It's just noticing. Um, mm-hmm. And so, anyway, so so going back to the self compassion, just letting go of the expectation of "I'm doing it right" or "I'm doing it wrong." I think aids in that because for people, you know, speaking from my own experience, having that inner critic, that's where it comes from: is you're not doing this the right way. <laughs> Um, So, letting go of of the the expectation during meditation and mindfulness, I, I think also adds into that that self compassion as a byproduct. And then also, you're just you're just naturally, again, my in my opinion, you're naturally more mm-hmm. grounded and patient, right? So you, yeah. So if you're just, you know, your your threshold of patience is kind of, well, I guess, it would be greater <laughs> lessened. But um, For but sure. yeah, um. I don't know. I
0: don't uh, if that makes sense or. Yeah, no, definitely. So yeah. mindfulness and meditation help me become more self-compassionate, but then listen to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spit on my water.
0: <laughs> <I'm> um, <listening. laughs> by learning self-compassion as a uh, explicit skill versus an implicit skill, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I realized how, how much more self-compassionate I could be. Like, even though I had come so far Mm -hmm. with mindfulness and meditation, there was still, there's still so many ways that I didn't realize I was Mm. being really Mm self-critical or, or not compassionate with myself. So that was eye-opening too. Like, Whoa, like as far as I came with this, there was, there's still so much more as, as far as how much kinder and, you Mm -hmm. know, encouraging I could be toward myself.
1: Yeah. So, so how would you, so that, so that's, you know, kind of segue into that. How would someone, whether they want to go a little bit deeper with the self-compassion or if they, Cause I kind of find this and, you know, I can speak on it later, but I feel like that's kind of where I'm at with my meditation and going back to that expectation side. So, and I find this a lot also with, um, you know, in, in talking to people who are athletes or are training for something serious uh, it always happens after an injury. And so, mm-hmm. right, so there's, because you've reached a certain level of strength or skill or whatever and you're injured or so you have whatever some sort of setback in your life and all of a sudden you're back in the beginner and you know in my experience and in, like I said in talking to others um, <laughs> there is there is a lack of grace and self-compassion there It may not be like, oh, I'm, you know, I suck, but it's just, it's just, there's that frustration and disappointment of, you know, I'm all the way back here. And, you know, there's, there's that, there there is a criticism, I guess you could say, right? It's like, I should be Mm -hmm. doing this. And um, I was having this conversation with someone last week where, all of a sudden, you know, talking about those expectations, it's like, well, I used to be able to do this and I can't do this at the moment. So why even bother? Why try? And that Mm -hmm. becomes self-defeating because then you're, you know, if you are someone who's, who's training for something specific, you obviously aren't making progress in training at all. Like there's, you know, there's other avenues. So, um, you know, having, well, you know, again, in my opinion, I think it's you know trying to have that self compassion, you know, because we are all human, and 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 I think when it comes to like injuries and things like that, it's not a matter of if, but when these things happen, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. someone doesn't want to be just constantly like playing catch up. Um, but but I guess also, so talking about the meditation expectation too, you know, like I mentioned last week, um, I was on a roll and like having some like. I felt like some pretty good (laughs) meditation sessions and then went on a hiatus. And now it's again, that expectation of like, Oh, well I used to be able to meditate for like, you know, 30 minutes and get into a really deep state. And now I can barely hold my attention for five minutes. Um, So how, how could someone, I guess, as an explicit skill develop that, that self compassion Mm -hmm. so that they could, whether it is for meditation down the line or something like perform or whatever it is, you know, how, how could you do that?
0: Right. Oh, great question. Well, I think one of the, the central practices in is um, it's called a self-compassion break. So what it means, so there are Mm. three elements of self-compassion. It's mindfulness. So it's one having the mindfulness to recognize your suffering when you're suffering. Mm. So, like having the mindfulness to realize, let's say, if I have an injury, that you know this sucks. This I'm I am feeling frustrated. I'm feeling angry. <laughs> I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling disappointed. Yeah. Solution, yeah. you know, being able mm-hmm. to first be aware of all of the emotions mm. and thoughts that are present, yeah. and then <clears throat> so the mindfulness piece, and then the second piece is um, common humanity, like. Mm. What happens when we get disappointed and we get upset is we tend to feel very isolated. We tend to mm. feel like we're the only one that has this <laughs> shitty experience. Like, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and so it's so common humanity is like recognizing mm. that there are mm. so many other people in the world right now going through the mm-hmm. same thing. Mm. There's also yeah. many people in the past who've gone through mm. this thing. And there are mm-hmm. also future people <laughs> who will be going through this so like yeah. like consciously recognizing that whatever you're going through is a common human experience um mm. it's 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 mm-hmm. you are not unique in that suffering mm-hmm. and, and that's actually it sounds weird but it, it actually ends up being very comforting to recognize mm-hmm. that you are not the first you're not the last Mm-hmm. you are accompanied by you know thousands mm-hmm. if not millions of other people going through the same thing right now so just kind of recognizing that instead of feeling like you've been singled out by life to receive this shit <laughs> storm and that mm-hmm. you know or or like if you have like a catholic or religious upbringing or like there's something you've done to bring this upon yourself you know what i mean like
1: yeah yeah you know
0: whatever things people say to themselves when things like that happen. Um, I was raised Catholic. I know what you're
1: talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, at least in my,
0: my, my youth had
1: those those thoughts or whatever of the, you know, vengeful.
0: Right. Deity. Like <laughs> I remember being young and like something bad would happen. And I'd be like, Oh, that's because, you know, I punched my brother last week or something. You know what I mean? Whatever. Totally. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like
0: this is the universe yeah. punishing me. <laughs> Um, so, so there's mindfulness, common humanity, and then Mm. there's self-kindness. So Mm. asking yourself the question, what do I need right now?
2: Mm.
0: How can I be kind to myself? So what do I need right now is, is like the quintessential question of self-compassion. What do I need right now? Like, do I need... To be around, like, encouraging friends. Do I need a warm soak in the tub? Do I need a nap? Do I need to um, distract myself with a movie? Like, Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. asking yourself the question, what do I need right now? And doing something that answers that question that's Mm -hmm. kind for you. So, yeah, so it's not necessarily a meditation, but it's like a three- three, three segmented practice where in the moment that you recognize that you are Mm -hmm. in pain emotionally, mentally, you recognize Mm -hmm. that you name it, name Mm -hmm. it to tame it. (laughs) (laughs) And then you recognize your common humanity like how many other athletes have been injured and how many have even been injured in crazier situations? I mean, nothing, it's not about Uh, caring, but it's just about recognizing how common this actually is. And then um, what do I need right now?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, how can I be kind to myself?
2: Yeah.
0: So yeah, that's the, the basic, a basic practice that if you practice it regularly, it, it becomes uh, a natural way that you start to process things when you notice that you're suffering going through something or
2: Mm -hmm. you
0: hear that inner critic getting ramped up.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remembered,
1: you know, going back to the common humanity is, you know, this is something that I've said in coaching sessions with, with other people, other clients in the past is just simply saying like, Hey, you're not alone. You know, or just simply saying, you know, you know, simply saying, you know, you're not alone or I see you and I see what, you know, I think that those are common phrases that can be used, you know, by other people. But again, the the idea here is to say this, you know, or identify it yourself. Um, so here's a question. Um Ooh, speaking I see, of I
0: see a glimmer in your eye. It's like, <laughs> about to be a really fascinating question.
1: It it is. It might it might be a challenge. I might I'm I'm going to put you on your toes a little possibly.
0: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. My feet are um, already asleep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you better wake it up, girl. <laughs> um so so I mean I you know going through my own experience here I I feel you on the you know the awareness of of the emotions and it's interesting. Well, use my own you know cur- uh, recent example with my knee injury, um, especially with the ACL, because that you know people who are active or, or training for it, you know you know how devastating that can be. And so it the the physical therapist in the emergency room when I was there, she said she's like you're grieving, and I was like you know I kind of looked at her and she's like Mm. yeah she's like you know think about it she's like you are she's like you know you're you're sad you know she's like I saw you crying and you know earlier um she's like because at one point I was getting really angry I'm like I'm just so angry and frustrated that this happened I was angry at myself I was just you know even though I didn't do anything wrong you know it's just it was so Mm -hmm. such a stupid accident you know I was even kind of like in a little bit of denial of like no the doctor's the doctor's wrong which he kind of was a little, thankfully, it wasn't as severe (laughs) as, as they had said. So, so that denial made to serve me, but, um, but just, but just acknowledging that. And then again, the, the common humanity, like, yeah, I am certainly not the only person in the world who has ever, or will ever suffer an ACL rupture. Um, and, and I, and, and kind of going with the, you know, or it could be worse, like, and I felt like this worked the opposite on, Well, I feel like in my experience, it can kind of like, don't dwell on that too much. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, what I mean by that is I was thinking about my injury and how Mm -hmm. it's basically a temporary setback and how there's so many other sports related or other kind of catastrophic injuries that could permanently, you know, just, you know, I mean, like, just think of like paralysis, right. There's, there's, you know, tragic, catastrophic And so for a few days, I was walking around being like, well, you know, I shouldn't I shouldn't feel bad for myself because, you know, other people have it harder. And so my wife had to, you know, gently remind me she's like, just because other people, you know, just because there's other types of suffering in the world doesn't mean that you're not allowed to feel your own suffering and grief as well. So I think that's something I I, I feel like that's something to kind of. Uh, remind ourselves of because you know it is all relative but I think allowing still being like yes it could be worse but what I'm feeling right now is you know still yeah cold and you know acknowledging that um but so so with that said so kind of going into asking yourself what you need and kind of going back to that inner critic and and you know the other um talk uh (laughs) because You know, I'll use my own inner critic as an example. And again, kind of Mm -hmm. I guess not wanting to in you know, feel super indulgent. Like, what would you say if someone were, you know, to ask themselves like, Oh, what do I what do I need right now? Oh, well, I, I need to take a nap or you know, just lay in a bubble bath. And then when they're in that, you know, they're taking a nap or you know, they wake up from the nap or they're, you know, whatever, doing something that feels indulgent, they feel guilty. Even though again they have every right to be doing that because one it's taking care of I, you know I, I guess i'm specifically saying like maybe for like an injury in this case but i guess in any case like yeah what would how cuz again that's going away from the self-compassion spectrum
0: right well that's a great that's a great question that's a good question <laughs> um, so my and i think this can be answered in many ways but my initial my impulse And my initial thought is first thought, best thought. I like that. Like the first thought, go with the first thought. Go with the first answer. Um, Mm -hmm. Is uh, that learning self compassion is a journey. It's a process. Mm -hmm. It's like Mm -hmm. the first time you do it, it it might feel unnatural. It might feel corny. It Mm -hmm. might feel fake. Mm It might feel. It might feel Mm -hmm. so many different things. I know for me, I feel almost cheesy being mm. really kind to myself sometimes like, or, or corny or I don't know. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, that guilt is real. And, and that's, you know, going into a, a bigger look at it, it's like capitalist guilt. Like if we're not doing yeah. something productive, there's this, why yep. am I even yeah. existing then? You know, Girl. <laughs>
1: I won't, I won't share on, on live stream, but I had a full (laughs) on just moments, several moments yesterday (laughs) and, uh, yeah. Anyway, continue. So yeah, there, there is that, that guilt, all, you know, there's so many feelings. Yeah.
0: Right. And so I think, you know, the first the first few times, and not just the first few times, but I would say like in any stage of learning anything new, but specifically mm-hmm. when it comes to mental and emotional well being and and the mm-hmm. practices around that um, it can be more it can it can be more um challenging in the beginning and it can and it can bring up more negative emotion in the beginning mm-hmm. so and also because you're mindful,
2: mm-hmm. you're
0: also, awa- because let's say like in the process of learning mindful self-compassion or mindfulness and meditation, because you're becoming more mindful, you're also more mindful of how much emotion you're actually going through. So mm-hmm. even if you were already going through those emotions before you were mindful of them, now that you're mindful, it feels even more alive and vibrant for you. So it can be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so you notice that you're feeling guilty. I would say to, okay, notice that. Notice that impulse to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and as best you can to not judge it, to like, you know, maybe even mm-hmm. recognize, like, you know, I mean, you could question, you could say, where did this come from? Or the thing that we talked about a lot, that, that phrase that helps to soothe everything, isn't that interesting? Isn't <laughs> yeah. it interesting? That I came here on a full vacation and I'm sitting in the sauna or I'm sitting in the spa and I'm feeling guilty. Even though I've worked 360 days this year, I feel guilty (laughs) on vacation because I could be doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like it's, it's, you know, there's so many people I've met. Who are like that, who like on vacation are thinking about all the things that they need to do when they get home or, you know, whatever it is. And so they're feeling guilty for for getting too comfortable or relaxing Mm -hmm. too much on the weekend or whatever it is. So I would, I mean, I would just suggest to notice, notice the guilt and just kind of name it like you have a little feather, like name (laughs) it, acknowledge it. Okay, I see guilt is here and that's interesting and i'm gonna Mm -hmm. continue to enjoy this soak like so i think the Mm -hmm. important part is to not give the guilt all of your attention to not be consumed by it to choose to recognize its presence but not engage Mm -hmm. wholeheartedly with it
1: yeah no i love that i mean i mean that that makes total sense and 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 you know and you know what I hear you're saying is it it like like so many things. It's it's just kind of it's a cyclical process, right? It's not just like one, two, three done. Okay, I've 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 mastered self compassion. It's it's a constant work and and again with the the mindfulness aspect of it, it's you know it's that constant noticing. Ah, oh, I can't remember the exact quote I heard today. Um, but it was related to, to healing. And Mm -hmm. it it was kind of like along those lines of, you know, as you kind of go through certain things and you're, you know, kind of uncovering and, you know, that awareness builds, you're going to feel or notice it more. Um, But that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you're on the wrong path or anything else like that. Like I said, I forget the exact quote. It's just, you know, it's just part of the process of of uncovering all of that.
0: Great. So no, I love
1: that. Man, that's good stuff. So (laughs) um so kind of going back to the to the you know, the beginning a little. So so um (laughs) someone is you know, someone who's trying to be more mindful, grounded, and improve that that type of skill, if if they're able to to get started with meditation and, and do something like that. Without too much issue, then intrinsically they'll, or you know, it, 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 was it not intrinsically <laughs> um, as a natural byproduct? Uh-huh. That, you know that that, that self compassion is is built into it. But if there is if that inner critic is too strong, you know, and is interfering with building that mindfulness practice, then kind of taking a step back. And using those three steps can help towards it.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely. Um, And so, like, one of the things about self-compassion is, like, well, what do I need right now? And maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, maybe what you, what you need, like, let's say you're meditating and your inner critic comes up and it's so loud and so obnoxious that you just you can't like if you if you go through that three step process and you get Mm -hmm. to the third question what do i need right now maybe what you need is to get up and not continue the meditation (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they won't that might not be an option in the world of mindfulness and meditation like you sit so this school of thought is like you sit and you stay with the practice because when you sit and stay with the practice that's how you learn about yourself. That's how you learn impulse yeah. control. That's how you, um, that's how you, you learn how to stay present despite the the desires of the mind and the heart, and and like that's how you mm-hmm. are able to see your behaviors from like a witnessing point of view, and and yeah. that's where you learn so much, and that's so much of what I've been trained in. But Mm self-compassion is like, well, if you're feeling like shit, don't continue (laughs) meditation. Like go do something. Go do something that you need right now. And maybe what you need right now is a snack. Or (laughs) and so it it is a really it is a really refreshing and helpful thing because as much as the discipline and the self-awareness of Meditation is so useful and important mm-hmm. in life. It's also like equally, if not more important, to develop a kinder relationship to ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: Because what ultimately causes so much of depression and anxiety is this voice of you should be you should be further on by now you should have created Mm. that thing already you should have had your bank account stacked like this by now like (laughs) you should have been done that yesterday like Mm. what (laughs) is that my inner critic is a little it's a little gremlin from like north philly i don't know like (laughs) (laughs) i I don't
1: know I uh, Hearts. I you're <laughs> in the north. <laughs> um, uh, I heard a uh, t- talking about the shoulds. I heard a, uh, a quote a long, long time ago. I guess this is kind of like maybe my first uh, intro to, I guess, looking at hindsight, maybe a little bit of self-compassion or learning, learning that. Um, but the the quote was, "Don't should on yourself." Yes yes that is the best don't shit on yourself yeah yes and I constantly remind myself that because you know (laughs) you do it's like like, oh I should I should have been doing this or you know it's it's man (laughs) those shits will get (laughs) you
0: for real I mean that's one of those things I would that's worthy of a tattoo (laughs) because don't shit on yourself don't shit on yourself you know um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i
1: don't want to get that actually i might put that like on like my arm or something looking down there, like, okay.
0: yeah i i like to put tattoos where i visibly see them so i am visibly reminded because when i tattoo myself it's for me to be reminded yeah, totally totally <laughs> so It has to be somewhere where i can see it like um, <laughs> yeah oh my god <laughs> well and and i guess you know and this is like a whole other
1: conversation but i feel you know that at least those specific shoulds that you brought up it's you know that inner critic is maybe a little bit of ourselves our environment but there's that there's that societal that that narrative from society right right <laughs> like
0: yeah yeah oh my gosh oh, who's, I was talking about this with somebody the other day where there's like you can almost pinpoint where the different critics have come from Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, the the psychology, you know, says that you know a, a large part of our inner critic is maybe a parent or a caregiver that was particularly critical. But yep. yeah. in addition to that, there's like you said, there's society. There's, mm-hmm. um, you know, the gender roles that we're kind try- tr- maybe trying to live up to, or there's mm-hmm. the um ethnic or racial roles that we feel like we need to be upholding mm. or like
2: mm. yeah. or yeah.
0: the um what's it called uh the kind of like I mean there's just so many I mean the there's beauty so standards many. the,
2: the totally, yeah
0: I mean it, it's never
1: ending that came the to resources. me just a second ago huh like you're you're not oh i was just gonna say that came to me when you mentioned beauty standards i was thinking of like enough like you know that sometimes you know for uh you know people who identify as female or you know for for people you know who identify as women like there's like you're not blank enough right it's like whatever it is there's just that enoughness or lack thereof I feel like is like one of the criticisms that gets spun around. There's, there's so much depth and so many layers to it. Um, I guess, you know, in, in closing. (laughs) In
0: closing, I think I would like to normalize the inner critic because I think that's so many, as part of that common humanity piece, I think so many people think that they're the only one who has this inner critic. Like so many people, I think, I, in all of the classes that I've taught after each meditation, we tend to have like a 15 minute discussion about what that meditation was like for you. What did you notice about yourself? What did you notice about your mind, etc. And inevitably what comes up is, Oh my God, I kept getting so mad at myself. Like I kept getting so distracted. And it was so difficult. And you know, and, you know, I kept feeling like I can't meditate. I kept feeling like I was stupid. Like, how come I can't do this? And mm. that it ends up that everyone ends up voicing their inner critic. And it's, like, mind-blowing for everyone in the class to recognize that they're not the only one that has uh-huh. a shit-fucking voice in their head. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> We walk through life thinking that it's only me that talks to my, like, it's like I'm the only one that has this constant whatever. It's going on for everyone. It's, I mean, it's very rare. It's very rare. I mean, there's studies that have been done, but it's almost maybe, it's a very small percentage. I want to say like maybe 7% of people that don't have much of an inner critic. Uh, but I was going to well, say, least, like, say-
1: they must have been raised in like no culture or society and then also right. raised by parents that are like the most empathetic humans ever and were able to like care for this child's every emotional need i'm serious like yeah you know like even people in my opinion even even people raised with you know some of the most ideal um uh you know family circumstances still have that inner critic because it's just there's there's things that are going to be said or you know there's 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 expect you know perceived expectations and and things like that and uh it's i don't know i uh i mean i love i love that idea of of normalizing the the inner critic and because it is it is you know and and making that that you know emphasizing that common humanity of it like it's It's always something that I, and, and maybe because it's so internal and it can be so loud and so harsh for for many people it's it's very easy to forget that other people don't suffer from that and I think part of it's also you know especially we have you know just the way society is kind of formatted and you know social- from everything from social media to the regular media to you see these people that look like they're killing it but They go Mm -hmm. through it, and you know, one of the I've I've heard this as a statistic is you know women go through it more so, or or it's it's very common. But I wonder if that's almost maybe, um, like maybe misleading data. Like maybe it's I I guess I'm I'm and I have no idea, but I'm I'm wondering or challenging like if it's you know again kind of a, a gender role thing of like maybe during these studies, the, the male, uh, you know, subjects just didn't admit to having that, that inner critic. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but, but, but I think it's also maybe, it maybe depends on the culture or the the society too, because this is something so, you know, going talking about like the business world and, 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 and this isn't necessarily the inner critic, but I think it's a manifestation of what the inner critic can do. So, my wife. This was years ago, and I, I thought this was very interesting. She was listening to like a women in, in, in business leadership, um, you know, like a TED talk or something uh, for her company. And this woman was talking about, <clears throat> you know, I guess, you know, when you look at leadership, why aren't there enough, or why aren't there, why are there so many more, me, you know, male leaders versus you know female leaders and, and everything else like that. <clears throat> And one of the things that was discussed is, you know, you have to, you have to apply for those promotions, right? <laughs> you know, to be the CEO, you don't just start off, you kind of climb your way to the top there. Well, the, the idea came up that when it comes to applying for jobs, women um, won't apply unless they're 100% qualified, You know, I'm talking about like, you know, skills, experience, things like that. And even then it's like, you know, why aren't you applying for this job? You'd be saying, it's like, I don't know if, you know, um, Mm -hmm. whereas men, they, they found out, you know, will apply like only 70% qualified. So they, yeah, so they maybe have only, you know, but so, again, you know, maybe it is a, a, you know, a difference of inner critic, or maybe it's kind of like a society thing where, you know, you, you know, and again, I guess the society has that influence on your inner critic, you know, if you're constantly told by a society like, oh, you know, you can do it, it's great. And then again, going back to that Mm -hmm. enough, like, you're not smart enough, you're not, you know, uh, assertive enough, or you're too much, you know, talking about women here specifically. Um, I don't know. I found it, I found it interesting. So, so going back to the whole normalizing, I, I kind of went on a big old tangent there oh, <laughs> round and round. Well,
0: I just, uh, I, oh, good. Oh no, go ahead. Oh, okay. So I just thought of something that came to mind that I want to, I want to clarify in, as far as yeah. normalizing too. So I said like 7% of people don't have an intercredit, but that, that's not, exactly what i meant to say so i think the research that was done shows that like more than half so let's say i don't know like 67 percent of people are less self-compassionate to themselves than they are to a friend and then there's mm-hmm. so meaning more people are more harsh on themselves than they are to a friend like innately it. more harsh on themselves not self-compassionate <clears throat> so the majority of people are not self-compassionate Then there's like a, I don't know, like a 20% that are, um, I forget what it is, but basically that 7% are people who are, who are more compassionate to themselves than they are to anyone else.
2: Hmm.
0: So that, that's the rare piece. So, you know, they could, they could potentially still have an inner critic, but they, Mm -hmm. but maybe, you know, it it may not be as harsh. Yeah. It may, not, it may not be as vile and, and they yeah. tend to be kinder to themselves than others. But that that is the rarest and the least amount of people are in that category, like you said. Mm-hmm. And that brings me as far as normalizing. So there was this there's this conference that is constantly quoted in the mindfulness community that a student of mine taught, like he totally uh, debunked. The power of it, because the the mindfulness community loves to tell this story over and over again. And my student debunked everything. And I was like, damn, let's we need to put this on blast." So (laughs) I love a good. debunking. Let's go. Yeah. So this is what they said. So apparently, like in the 1970s, there was like this big international psychological conference with like therapists, psychologists from all over the world and the Dalai Lama. And all of these therapists and psychologists were talking about the inner critic. And the Dalai Lama was like massively confused. He was like, what? You have this voice that that talks shit to you all day and makes you feel like crap. He was like, he's like, Oh, this is, this is aliens. Like this is, this is not the way. And you know, like basically, kind of con, con, uh, saying that in Eastern culture, this isn't a thing, or like in mm. Buddhism, people don't have this problem. I mean, that's not right. what he said, but that is what the people of the legit, conference yeah. garnered, that, mm. that, you know, self-criticism was a uniquely Western concept, mm. you know, and, and that, you know, the East has it all together. <laughs> uh <laughs> And Sorry, so, I, didn't mean, yeah, I like, didn't mean I'm like scoffing at the East. I just, in, in general, because, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. So like, but so many people bought it. Even I, when I first heard the story, I bought into it because I, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, because we think, like, it sounds... It makes I sense. Mean, yeah. It makes sense. Like, because apparently he was so visibly shocked. Mm. Um, and and it was like, oh, okay, so the inner critic is, is a Western phenomenon. You know, we've had... You know all kinds of crazy reasons to have an inner critic. Okay, yeah,
2: (laughs) makes sense. I remember telling the
0: story. Yeah, I remember telling the story to a student from India, Mm. and he like starts shaking his head. He said, "You realize who you're talking about?" And I said, "What Mm. do you mean?" He's like, "You realize that the Dalai Lama was considered a god from the moment he was born?" Mm. Like that. He was about 70, yeah. He's been treated like a god his whole life. Why would he have an inner critic? Why would he resonate? Like, why would that resonate with him in any way? Not Mm -hmm. only was he a god from birth or seen and treated in that way, but he's also lived in the lap of luxury and and lived Mm -hmm. being honored and esteemed and respected wherever he goes. Of course, he doesn't have an inner critic.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I was like, wow, damn. Well, his whole, and his
1: whole, like, I mean, think about, like, what he represents, like, his whole life's purpose is around, like, showing love. And and he, so going back to, like we said in the beginning, you know, it just kind of, you know, innately gets developed. So, yeah, I mean, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I you know, and I don't want to speak for other people, but, you know, speaking of Asian students and, you know, having been, having been a teacher to, uh, you know, students of Eastern cultures. And again, I can't speak for what's in their head or in their heart, right. but just kind of observing their behavior and their self-talk. I I would say that it's, yeah, it's, it's not solely a Western thing. Right,
0: <laughs> no. For no. sure,
1: <laughs> so. Yeah,
0: this is a human thing. It is. A human, yep. But, you know, you know, and I guess
1: I was going to say this earlier before I kind of like went off on a big old tangent there. But Dalai Lama aside, when you do see someone who you think is, you know, killing it and then you hear these stories um, that they had their own inner critic and they were like so insecure. One, it's it's like mind blowing. Like one of my favorites is um, is Maya Angelou, the the author, you know, uh, you know, one of the greatest American authors of of all time right and so Mm -hmm. you know just you know and and hearing her speak you know she just had like such a presence and she was you know just always came across as not I guess like a quiet confidence there but it's like Mm -hmm. you know she's got her shit together but (laughs) there's Mm -hmm. a quote from her that every time she published a new book, she was, she was convinced that it was not going to be success, that people were going to find out that she ran a game on them. And oh, it's like, yes. you know, again, like one of like the most brilliant, <laughs> you know, insightful, poetic minds, you know, who has like this gift of language. It's like, what are you talking about? What? Right, right. <laughs> You know. That's,
0: amazing yes i love thank you for reminding me of that quote because i remember loving that quote for a while and being like yeah. if that's what she thought then you know what i mean like yeah it's very i mean it's
1: encouraging in a sense um, i think it's encouraging because i mean you yeah. know I, I think of yeah i mean she's someone that i obviously admire and respect and it's like okay like at the end of the day she's 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 human you know and she's going you know and there's so many people there. And and, and and also on the opposite side of that too, you know, there's people who just throw caution to and just go out there and do it. And maybe they don't have an inner critic or they don't have as strong of an inner critic, or maybe they mm-hmm. don't have as strong of an inner critic in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. and they are not my Angelou caliber, I am sorry to say. <laughs> but <laughs> but at the same time I do admire their 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 brave, you know, they're 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 just, you know. Uh, right. their lack of critic you know inner critic there the, to put themselves out there um and and yeah i mean it's 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 such a delicate balance right because it's really you know, like we talked about last week like the inner critic keeps you safe but then you never grow and develop you know
0: <laughs> right right oh <laughs> like, my god yeah. that's so good um i don't mind continuing to talk so that's another thought that came up <laughs> Oh, no, you're fine. Um, I just don't want to wear you down. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, I love that quote by her. And I, I, I've always wanted to tell other students this. So, like, whenever I do intake forms for my classes, I'll ask a bunch of questions. And one of those questions is, like, um, like what are some of your biggest worries or concerns? Mm-hmm. Or, like, what's, what's, like mm-hmm. what's keeping you up at night? What's on your mind? Yeah, yeah, and I have literally, I don't. So this is a case of imposter syndrome. which is also the inner critic. But I remember when I was first yeah. teaching MPSR, some of the people, like I had neuroscientists in my class, and I remember feeling like, like I'm running a game on these people. Like I really, I remember yeah. thinking like, how am I teaching a room full of like neuroscientists and professors and lawyers? Like this is insane. And so yeah, but I remember looking at their intake forms. These were like Harvard-educated people, Emory-educated wow. people, like people who've done their PhDs, people who've gotten Harvard Law degrees, and you know what they had on their intake forms? Mm. I feel stupid. I don't feel that wow. smart. And I, and my mind was blown. It actually makes me like, want to cry a little. It, <laughs> yeah, it made me want to cry, and it also... Like encouraged me to realize, okay, maybe I do have something to teach these people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah. it also made me, it also made me have so much more compassion, like in that oh. sense of common humanity. Like, I could be over here feeling like lo- like a loser and like I'm stupid because I dropped out of grad school, but I could mm-hmm. also have graduated from Harvard and still feel stupid, <laughs> <laughs> So like. So, like, that's not the, so the issue is not, you know, the education or what you did. Yeah. It's like, the self-concept, the relationship yeah. to yourself. Um, so, yeah, I remember being so, yeah, like, moved to tears wow. by that and saddened, yeah. but also encouraged in the sense that yeah. I helped to facilitate better, uh, you know, relationship towards that kind of thinking. Um, but yeah, it was a big shocker to me. Like, how are you a full blown neuroscientist over here talking about how you're stupid? Like, right? Yeah. And, and how you're you like literally like, one what? of the most. Oh my God, then what am I? Like, if that's how you feel, then what am I? You know what I mean? Like, so that was, I mean, that was in a sense encouraging too, because it's like, and then another. Then this is as far as like comparing yourself to somebody who looks like they have it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there was this woman a few years ago who won Miss USA.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I remember watching. Oh huh? I, 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 was, I was saying, I feel like
1: I've heard the story, but continue.
0: Oh, OK. Well, I, remember, I may have told you, but I, I remember watching her and being like mind blown at how much she had accomplished. First of mm. all, she was like the oldest woman to ever win Miss USA. I think she was like 28 when she won. Oh,
1: wow. Well. OK, I
0: haven't heard. She had a, a law degree mm-hmm. and she had an MBA. It's like she pursued mm-hmm. her MBA and her law degree at the same time. And she managed to be fit, (laughs) sexy, and beautiful the whole time. And she did pro bono work, like in the community. (laughs) And she had a a fashion blog and a business. And she was like an e news reporter.
1: (laughs) What was her talent for the talent show? Did she play piano or something?
0: (laughs) And I rem- and her hair was phenomenal. Her hair was phenomenal. like I mean, just main- just keeping curly hair looking that good is a full-time job, let alone every other thing that she d- did. <laughs> and I-, I remember feeling like so shitty, just, like I'm watching a news story about her, and like simultaneously being in awe and also like the inner critic immediately mm. turning it on me to make me feel like shit. So I remember like being in awe, like how could, like, when did she sleep? When did she eat? Like how, mm. was, and, and you know, she had a beautiful relationship with her parents and active in her church mm. and, and like six pack. I'm like, what is it? Like, what, what is the I world? I really hope
1: this doesn't turn tragic here.
0: No, but it does. Okay. And so, so, I mean, it turned tragic as far as my inner critic. Well, damn, bitch, all you do is teach meditation. <laughs> and you still, mm. you, I mean, I'm, this was a few years ago, but still. But that was the thought. Yeah. Like, all you do is calm people down all day. And, <laughs> <laughs> and somehow you still don't have your shit together in, like, all of these other areas. You know what I mean? I, like, you, you, you do so little, yet. You still can't get all your ducks in a row in all of this Mm. kind of thing. Like, I mean, that was the Mm -hmm. inner critic.
1: Right, right. Um, right.
0: And I remember just whenever I would see a picture of her on the news or in a magazine or whatever, I would just be reminded of like this super duper woman and like how much more potential I have that I'm not accomplishing or how much more Mm. I could be, you know, using my time wisely. Like, if she could do all that, then. Then why, why haven't I done more kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So like her face was always a reminder of that. And then this year, I think it was January, Jan- like January 25th or something. There was like this devastating news story in New York about a woman who had jumped off the top of her condo in New York City. Oh and my then God. when they investigated the remains, it was her. Oh my God. Isn't that horrible? Mm. And I just, I think I
1: remember that. Just-
0: yeah, I remember being so devastated. Like, God, oh my God, she had it all. You were Miss yeah. USA. You were gorgeous. You were fit. Oh. You were smart. You were brilliant. You were resourceful. You were you like, mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah. literally you, like, had it all. Reward. Yeah, yeah,
1: Ugh.
0: yeah. And and it was just such a reminder mm-hmm. of. So when they they asked, you know, they interviewed her family, her mother said that she was well, even prior to interviewing her family, she had written an article for like a, a magazine that talked about how upset she was that she was turning 30 because, you know, she was no longer mm. going to be so valuable in the eyes of society. Oh she, wow Yeah, she was gonna have less opportunity, like mm-hmm. just a a clear example of being led to destruction by this inner critic
2: yeah you know,
0: um, so yeah I mean her mother said that you know in the days leading up to that she was depressed and she was very self-critical and and I was just like holy shit like mm. if someone with all of that is self-critical you know what I yeah. mean like yeah we you know what I mean like it's it's just a kind of like a very poignant reminder of how important it is to take care of your mental health of your emotional health and to not compare yourself because you really have no freaking idea what is going on in other people's minds and in their lives like you can't compare yourself to anyone because
1: and practice that self-compassion
0: yeah i mean
1: you know god that's that's just i mean that's horrible and i mean what what could have a little bit of self-compassion done for that Then I guess you know what I'm saying like I don't yeah, know yeah oh my god I but know. I mean I think- I'm not saying that that's the cure-all for like depression and like but by no means but I guess I'm just thinking mm-hmm. like you know if we're if we're speculating that this is a result of like such a harsh inner critic you know, the, and kind of so much other you know societal pressure and things like that it's like right. it's such a reminder and one thing that that came up for me as well, um, talking about the Harvard, you know, PhDs and neuroscientists and and also this woman and we didn't, it's not something that we've mentioned before, but it's the idea of destination happiness. Um, You know, it's like, oh, you know, if, you know, if I, if I can just do this, if I can just get my PhD, I'll, I'll be happier. If I just win this, I'll be, you know, and it's, you know, again, I guess like I'm relating that back to the self-compassion because, and, and mindfulness in general, because, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> your life is here right now. Like, you know, strive for those goals and, and things like that, but don't let that, don't let your, you know, every your mental health, everything kind of hang on that, that one accomplishment or that destination, like I said.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's huge. And you just reminded me of something else. It's like a lot of people have this thought of I'm going to stress myself out now. I'm going to sacrifice my health. Mm -hmm. I'm going to not sleep for two years because, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's worth, it's worth, you know, the, the hard work or whatever is to get to my destination, uh, you know, to get to this happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And it's like, what, like, I think, I feel like it's so important to, like you were saying, to be mindful and healthy and present in your journey to, as you're, you know, working towards these goals, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to sacrifice your health, your well-being, your sleep, everything, because you think that when you get there, you're suddenly going to be happy and fulfilled, then... It's, I mean, it's so, it's so counterproductive because you're going to get, you know, you're going to get the goal accomplished, but you know what? You're going to also have like, I don't know, sleep apnea or diabetes, or, you know, you're going to get there with some other shit you're going to have to deal with. There was, uh, I heard this quote too. It's like the, the, the young focus on their wealth, but Mm -hmm. then once they have it, they have to use it for their health.
2: Yep. Yeah.
0: versus focusing on your health so that when is so that you can have true wealth, you know, like no. I mean it's also yeah. isn't it also called the hedonic treadmill. Yeah. Like I think I believe really,
1: I I don't know for sure but that makes yeah, talking about yeah, yeah, hedonism versus you do yudo, hedonic <laughs> I me to go back and and uh, review my vocabulary. I mean, well, and and just you know, since we were kind of, um, I'll I'll kind of bring this up. You know, speaking of of tragedies, you know, what what happened a couple of days ago in Texas, I think it also just pinpoints that life can 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 change in an instant, and it and it can all be done in an instant. And so again, like you know, and and that's a very different situation. You know, with you know different circumstances, but just in in general, it's. So you know, making yourself miserable in pursuit of, you know, this, you know, <laughs> external type of, you know, hedonistic pursuit here that may not, that isn't guaranteed to, or it may make you happy for a minute, or it, it's a, it's a very shallow <laughs> type of, um, emptiness. Um, you're killing your, you know, your, 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 your you know, whatever, Pushing yourself, stressing yourself, kind of, you know, making yourself ill. You may not even reach that goal, or it may it may not even happen for you because of you know just the way kind of life and tragedies can happen. And so then, Uh what what was that all for? What was you know what was the point of making yourself miserable? You know, I I don't know.
0: And just thinking about that the situation in Texas, I mean, this is this is different, but just another thought is just like.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: obviously it's so tragic what like the children and the families and like god the children who have to live with the memory of this yeah you know, it's almost in some ways mm-hmm. worse like i mean not you don't compare but like just imagine a child who saw this yeah. and survived you know what i mean mm-hmm. um yeah. then like my mind went to what the hell was going on with this dude? You know what I mean? He's only 18. Like, how? Yeah. What in the world? You know what I mean? Like, because, and when you, when you, so I was reading something the other day about how, um, I mean, I mean, actually the, the highest suicide rate in the U.S. is, is uh, it's middle-aged white men, I believe. And then, hmm. Hmm. And then another high amount is like disaffected young men, like, like mm-hmm. all these kind of, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Um, all these kind of guys who don't like feel like they fit into society somehow. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think the number one, I mean, I think, anyway, the point of the saying that like maybe like 2000, oh yeah. Middle school to high school disaffected youth, like the, the, Suicide rate in that age group is enormous. It's yeah. like a few thousand. Like I think it's one maybe like the highest, one of the highest causes of death between like I don't know, like fourteen to twenty-five or whatever. Hmm. But then <clears throat> a tiny percentage of those, instead of who are, are so let's say like four thousand commit suicide a year. Of those, of those four thousand, it's like seven percent who decide to also inflict. To also bring harm to others in the process. Hmm. Um, so anyway, I say all that just because um, I think to I think to myself like so much, so much of depression is. I mean, there's a lot of things, but so much of it is how how you're talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's it's the internalized Absolutely. critic, the inner critic. And mm-hmm. so, like, what in the world was his inner critic like? for him to go to those mm-hmm. lengths. You know what I mean? Like what kind of yeah. suffering was he enduring within himself every day for him to feel like that was the way out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And anyway. well, especially at that. Oh God. No, no. I was just going to say that, that the, those, that's kind of where my mind goes when I see situations like that. Anyway. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I was going to say, especially, you know, in that age and age range, <clears throat> you, you're very much, I guess, in in intertwined with that, that inner critic, that inner, that inner voice, like that's, you you know, I think as people get older and mature and, you know, maybe find a way to kind of grow into a little bit more state, you know, (laughs) a little bit more of a, a, a state of maturity and groundedness, like they start to see that voice is not theirs. But I think when you're so young and at that age you know that is your identity and you don't see it At you know so I guess my point is it's like I can I can understand why it leads to such terrible endings because if that's the only thing that you like you see it as no escape basically what I'm Mm -hmm. trying to say you know yeah it's like this is this is my reality Mm -hmm. so
2: yeah
0: yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't want to end there on that heavy I know. Note. But I <laughs> know. But I guess I it's, it's helpful to, like, recognize. I think it's important to realize how important it is to, to regulate what's going on in your mind, to, to be aware so that you can manage it. Um, Mm -hmm. and why why I mean I guess it's why I'm so passionate about emotional intelligence and mindfulness and Mm -hmm. mental health and all these things because this is what like this is a perfect example of like I know (laughs) sorry but it's like well you know what um I could keep going but like it's it's That's why it's so important to me. That's why I'm so passionate about this is because because that's the alternative, you know, like that's, that's what can happen if nothing is done. Like, and I say that from the heart because I, I am not, uh, I have, I am not uh, someone who has not experienced self-destructive thinking. I'm not Mm -hmm. someone who's never felt completely isolated. I'm not someone who's Mm -hmm. felt like, you know, no one in the world gets me. I'm not someone who's ever felt that, um, you know, like I, so in some way I feel like I know what it's like to be in those depths of despair. And that's why I think it's so important to have these tools so that it's like you're preventing yeah. that kind of thing within yourself and also within your communities and your families, yeah. because you're, you're nurturing the good, you're nurturing the good thoughts and the healthy emotions. And, and when you nurture that for yourself, you're able to more effectively spread it with your clients, with your patients, yeah. with your community, your family.
1: Yeah, I, I mean,
0: yeah, we've gone, <laughs> we've talked a lot today, so
1: maybe this will be for another day, but that is kind of the whole purpose or the whole basis of, uh, what the heart math, uh, institutes, uh, preaches there is that, you know, using, um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's been a good yeah. conversation, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that is kind of one of the the principles of, of their, their methodologies there. So we'll, we'll talk more. We can talk more about uh heart math another time, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you have that, that self-compassion, it allows you to be more compassionate for towards other people, um, you know, in your personal life. And then as a, as a, as a whole society on a, on a society level, societal level.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, all right. Well, I think that was a, that was a more, that was, I think that was a good ending, less Debbie down or more. You know, since not that you were insincere before, but that was a very heartfelt <laughs> call to action. Um, all right, well, I will. I'll, I'll catch you. I'll catch you on the flip side.
2: Bye, everybody.
1: All,
2: right. <laughs> Three, two, one.
1: Yeah. all right, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much again for listening and be sure to head over to aspire to coaching.com backslash podcast. Check out the show notes for today's episode there. You'll find some of the links we've mentioned on today's podcast, as well as some of the previous episodes we've done. And while you're there, please make sure you sign up for show updates. I am always updating the show and bringing in bonus content. So you do not want to miss out on any of that. One last thing. If you loved this episode and you think a friend would really enjoy it as well, grab the link and share it out for me, please. It truly does help spread the word of this podcast and the topics that we discussed on our episodes. And at the end of the day, my goal is to empower as many people on their performance journey as possible. Thank you all so much again, and we'll see you next time.